Hey, Prairie Hiders, my name is Beth. If I haven't met you, so good to be together today. The first time that I felt really anxious about money, that I can remember at least, I'm getting older, so the first time that I remember being anxious about money is when I was in high school and we were planning for a trip abroad with our Spanish class. And so we were fundraising for that trip uh, because I was involved in a lot of things, sports and extracurriculars. I didn't have like an ongoing job um, throughout the school year except for in the summer. And so I remember feeling anxious of like, how am I gonna raise this money so I can go on this trip? And the next time that I felt really anxious about money, I was a freshman in college and it was the spring of my freshman year. Again, I was, I was playing basketball and so I wasn't gonna earn more income until the summer and so I was a few months away from that. And sure enough, it was spring break. And it was spring break of my freshman year of college. Like everything screamed freedom and party. I didn't know Jesus back then personally, so uh, there was a lot of things that I wanted to do on spring break. And then I looked at my account and I had $150. <laughs> uh, kind of a dream crusher. In that moment, and I started feeling anxious. Like, what am I gonna do if I really wanna do something over spring break? I ended up not doing anything because I didn't have any money to do that and I didn't plan for that. Um, I didn't learn growing up how to plan uh, real well, how to plan for money, uh, being there when I needed it and for what I wanted it for. The next time that I felt anxious around money is shortly after I got married. And I feel so blessed I got married to uh, Kyle and he came into our marriage and he had a little more wisdom around money than I did. And so he is a saver and he's real consistent and he plans for things, and I like to spend, and I'm a little bit more free. And so when we got married shortly after, when it became like, oh, what do you mean? Like, I can't just go spend that on whatever I want? Like, we have to talk about it? Because it's our money? Excuse me, what? Like, I know we talked about that in marriage counseling, but like, do we really have to live it out? <laughs> So I don't know if you can relate with any of those things or any of those stages of life where money, the topic of money or, or real in your life, the, the area of money has caused anxiety for you. And today, maybe you are a college student and you've earned a lot of income over the summer, but you're still wondering like, is that gonna be enough for the year? Is that gonna be enough for tuition and books and all the things that I wanna do in this upcoming school year? Maybe you are somebody who you, do, you did just get married or you've been married for a long time. And I joked a little bit about like, haha, one's a saver, one's a spender. But the reality of your home is that anytime money is talked about, there's huge defenses that come up. You can't talk about money in your home without, without a big fight happening or with complete withdrawal and denial. And so you just avoid the conversation altogether. And so if I was to ask you, is there anxiety around money in your home, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you have a blended family, whether you're a teenager or you're well uh, into retirement, thinking about retirement years, and you would say like, yeah, you know, inflation has caused more anxiety, 
You know, I'm someone who was planning for retirement and, and all of a sudden, you know, 2020 happened and then I kept watching my retirement funds in the stock market and I just watched it as it started to plummet and I was thinking, how am I going to make it? My plans look different now and I have to make different choices. And I would say, just stop looking at your retirement account and don't do anything when it plummets. But I'm not a financial advisor, I'm a pastor, so... We're going to talk about what God has to say instead of what a financial advisor might say. But the truth is, I don't think I'm alone. I don't think I'm alone when it comes to the feeling of having anxiety around our finances and around money. As of January 2023, 60% of United States adults live paycheck to paycheck. That is like an eye-opening statistic. 60% of United States adults live paycheck to paycheck. And the anxiety of not knowing if something happens to my job, will I be able to afford the shelter, the home that I live in? Will I be able to afford food to feed myself or if you have children? Will I be able to cover the basic needs? When you're living paycheck to paycheck, there's anxiety that rises in our lives. And so what I want to talk about over the next two weeks is I want to talk exactly about that in the area of money. What's the opposite of anxiety? The opposite of anxiety is peace. And you're probably thinking like it's not possible in the area of money. Finding peace in this area, it's not possible. Well, I'm going to spend the next two weeks arguing that it is. I'm going to state a case through God's word that having peace in your finances is actually possible. And the very first question today that I want you to consider is how do you view the purpose of money in your life? It's really simple. How do you view the purpose of money in your life? And we're gonna talk about what your relationship really with money is, how you see money, how you view money, and how that plays a factor in the anxiety that rises in your life because of money. And so next week, what we're going to do is we're going to get a lot more practical. And we're going to talk about what do you do with the money that you have? How do you manage it? And we're going to get more practical. But this week, we're going to talk about how do you view the purpose of money in your life? Because the truth is, the way that you see and view the purpose of money in your life, it really matters. It really, really matters. And I wonder if sometimes, friends, our vision, it actually gets really cloudy when it comes to money. And so I'm going to put on these sunglasses, and I'll tell you right now, in a dark room, I cannot see any of your faces. I can see that there's like beings in the room, but I cannot see clearly anyone's face. And I wonder if this, this represents like how we walk through life and how our vision gets so cloudy all of a sudden when it comes to how we view money, that when we fall into these traps of, you know, we think the purpose of money is is to make us happy. That if we just get that outfit, like the one that we saw on Insta, like if we just had that whole outfit, then I'd just be happy. We fall into the trap of we think the purpose of money is to give us security. Like if I just made this much, then I'll feel okay. Like, I'll feel secure. 
I'll, I'll feel like my family's gonna be okay if I just make this much money, whatever that is. We tend to think that the purpose of money is to gain status, popularity, that you know, uh, earning more money would get you into the right rooms with the right people that somehow that would happen and see our vision gets cloudy and our focus and our attention changes when we put these sunglasses on and we start to view money in terms of making us happy, in terms of security, in terms of status. And so I wanna talk about today, how does viewing money as God views money lead to peace? And how do we clear up our vision? How do we clear up our vision? Because it's so important, friends, don't worry, those don't break. I did that in the first service. I just tossed them aside because here's the thing in the Nelson household, it's a budget line item every summer, sunglasses, because I lose like five pair. And so I have to buy sunglasses all the time in the summer. <laughs> Drives my husband nuts. They're only like $5. Okay, back to the script. Here we go. Let's clear up our vision. Because I believe at the core, because this is some of the work that God's done in my life over many years, and it's one of those things that until you experience it, you may not know how it really feels to experience peace in the area of money until you start to practice it, not just practice it for a day or a week or a month or a year. You gotta practice it year after year after year after year after year. And even when you do that, the temptation of the world that we live in all around us wants us to believe that money will make us happy, money will give us security, and money will eventually help us get to the status that we've been hoping for. So what I wanna talk about today, like I said, is how does viewing money as God views money lead to peace? How does that happen? And as we do, I'm gonna talk specifically to those individuals who have made a decision to follow Jesus. You would say that Jesus is the center of your life, you've received him in your heart, and uh, those of you that are here today, you're watching online and you have yet to make the decision for Jesus to be the leader of your life, uh, you know what, you just get to tap the person next to you and say, this is for you. <laughs> because if you're a follower of Jesus today, this is one of those things in scripture that's non-negotiable. Like it's one of those things that we don't get to pick and choose what we follow. This is one of those things in, in God's word where if we live it and if we practice it, we will find peace in our finances. But I know how tricky it is to live that out. And that's another reason why we need each other, to spur each other on. So my hope is that this spurs us on. And uh, before I get into this two, we're gonna go through two scriptures. They come from the New Testament. And they're pretty similar. And so they're not uh, very different. They're actually pretty similar but we're gonna draw some uh, differences out of them as we point to what God's view about money is. Right before we do that, I just wanna share this. Last week I had lunch with a friend and this friend was sharing with me, he said, you know, like I've learned over the years, he's gone to church most of his life and he said, I've learned over the years that if I, if I show up to church and, and I hear a message and I'm like, oh, I kinda know where this is going and oh, I've heard that scripture before. He said, I, I just kinda take a deep breath and I realize and I ask myself, but am I living it? Because if I'm not living it, I need to hear it 
over and over and over again until I start to live it. And so I want to challenge you today, if you're a follower of Jesus and you aren't living this, I, I want to come alongside and I want, our, I want our church family to come alongside and I want more people to be living God's view of money after these two weeks than before we started. So here we go, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. It's a sermon that Jesus gave, his most famous sermon. It's called Sermon on the Mount. And he shared this sermon to a large crowd of people and, and he got to the place, he was hitting many, many topics and one of the topics then he talked about was money. And in Matthew 6, 19, it says this, Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. What Jesus is saying is like, don't accumulate a bunch of stuff. Don't accumulate a bunch of stuff that at any point, at any time, someone could come in. They could break in, they could take your stuff, they could steal your stuff. And those possessions that you put your value and your worth in aren't there anymore. What does he say to do instead? Jesus said, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And what Jesus is really saying in this is he's saying, hey, hey, don't focus your life on the accumulation of stuff. Focus your life on the accumulation of making memories and creating moments and helping point more people to Jesus. Like those are treasures of, hev of heaven. It's helping more people make heaven their eternal home. It's being a light in a really dark world. It's, it's bringing hope into the places where you work, where you play, where you live. See, I believe that wherever you are planted, like wherever you might be, you might be a stay-at-home parent. You might be a, a part-time cashier. You might be a full-time manager. You might be a CEO or an executive. Wherever you are planted, at home, at work, and the people that you are serving, if you are breathing, you are impacting people every single day. And I believe that wherever you are planted and the people that are around you, that's your ministry. That's your ministry. And what does it look like to store up treasures of heaven? It means to have your eyes wide open for opportunities. Opportunities to give. That might be like teachers. Teachers who are buying extra supplies for their classroom because teachers, your ministry is that classroom and those kids. It might be a, a bank teller who hears about a family story and hears that a dad has cancer and so... Uh, they give to meet that need. They give to help that family. It might be any of us in the next couple weeks that we would be intentional when we're out to eat at a restaurant and we see a first responder that we just pay for their meal as a way to say thank you. You know, like, do we have eyes wide open on what it looks like to give because we know we've been given much and, and instead we're gonna store up treasures in heaven we're gonna store up these memories in these moments. In Matthew 6, 21, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it's good for us to process what's your treasure these days. What is your, what do you feel like, man, if I lost that, 
thing, <laughs> whatever that is, where, where's your treasure, it helps you know where your heart's at. Is your treasure in things of, of legacy and living beyond your life? Or is your treasure things of faith? Where's your heart in this? Because here's the truth, what we treasure the most controls us, whether we admit it or not. You don't have to admit that for that to be fact. Whatever we treasure controls us, the much, uh, controls us the most. And see, Jesus made it clear that living for personal gain, living for personal gain will only lead to great anxiety. Materialism and anxiety are two enemies of spiritual growth. If you wanna grow and get closer to Jesus, materialism, and personal gain are two enemies of spiritual growth. Anxiety is an enemy of spiritual growth. And so what does it look like to lean in and to trust God in this area? Because when you trust God that no matter what happens, no matter the circumstance, that he's gonna provide, that he's gonna bring someone along that's gonna help you out in a time of need, that if you lost everything, that you'd still be okay because you know who you are in Jesus, that your trust of God is, brings you more security than your bank account. That's when you can find peace. That's where you can find peace. And so what we're gonna, uh, what I'm gonna uh, show us in just a moment is the difference that these scriptures are sharing, that God's truth is sharing the difference between my purpose and God's purpose. And so my purpose says materialism. God's purpose says contentment. My purpose says more stuff, more things that will somehow fulfill me. God's purpose says contentment. I'm okay with what I have, with what I have is enough. My purpose is Get and earn more money for me. Get and earn more money for me so I can find security in money. God's purpose says earn more so that I can get to give. And when you get to this place where you know that to earn more, you're doing it so you can give, you realize that giving is actually getting. That giving is like the best gift on the face of this planet. My purpose says trust in money. My purpose says when I look at my financial package, when I look at all the things, I'm placing my trust and, my, and I'm hoping to find peace if the money lines in, aligns in a certain dollar amount. But God's purpose says trust in God. Trust, have an alignment and a heart posture of I trust in God no matter what that financial picture looks like. And now that doesn't negate, we're gonna talk about next week, like it's super important to have a plan for your money. It's super important to take care of your household, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you have kids. That is all very important and we're gonna talk about that next week. But first, you've gotta realize what's your relationship with money? How do you even view the purpose of money? Because through God's lens, money is his. Like if you look through God's sunglasses, 
God says, money's mine, and I have given this to you as a follower of mine to bless other people. And so it's our role, friends, to be great stewards of the money that we're given, to be great managers of the money that we're given. And I didn't just hit a light switch and all of a sudden live this way and believe this way. So I want to tell you today, if this is a newer topic and you're like, whoa, Beth, didn't see the money talk coming today. It's summer. <laughs> and, and you're feeling a little like anxiety. I want to tell you like, it's okay. You're not alone. We all have a lot of similarities in our story, probably more than we have differences. And that's why we're talking about it. If it's causing anxiety, that's why we're talking about it because we want to help. And we want to come alongside and I want to see God break you free from the hold of anxiety and money in your life. And I actually want to see, I would love it if every single one of us got to experience peace in our finances. And I believe it's possible. So everybody shake it off. We're like halfway through. We got one more scripture and I got a great story. I know, again, I know for some you're like, I ain't having it. Do this, let your arms out, and just say, okay, God, <laughs> if you have something for me today, let me know. Let's keep going. The second scripture is 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 9. It says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Isn't it funny how fast we forget that? Like at my funeral, there's not gonna be a load of suitcases with all my stuff going with me, right? But we forget. I was reminded when I got rid of all the toys in our house, and it's so funny how like a month later, more stuff comes. It's like the stuff, friends of our life, it shouldn't have that much of a hold on us. Verse eight says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. I wanna take this opportunity to be very sensitive um, to this. I understand that there are people here and there are people watching online that your current reality is you don't have enough food for you or you don't have enough food for your family. You don't have proper shelter and you don't have proper clothing and I want you to know that if that's your story today, will you please let us know? We would love to help. And we don't wanna just help in the immediate crisis and circumstance, but we wanna help long-term so that we can come alongside and, and help you find a way out of that space. Because that's a reality that we have to recognize is that we all have a different story today and we all matter deeply to God right inside that story. And so Paul is writing this letter that we're reading and he wrote it to a young Timothy, his mentee. And he's like, hey, Timothy, I just want you to know these things so that you can lead the way to help people follow Jesus. And here he says in verse nine, he says, those who wanna get rich fall into temptation. I'm gonna read that again. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation. He didn't say those that have wealth. Paul is saying those who 
want to get rich, those whose purpose is to get rich, those whose driver is to get rich, those who want their result to be rich. It's not those who have walked the path of finding peace with God and through that path and through planning that they are in a place of wealth. Like that is a godly thing. But if your pursuit is to get rich, here's what Paul says. Those who wanna get rich fall into a temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That does not sound like peace, does it? Nothing about that sounds like peace. Paul's letting Timothy know, like, let the world know. That's not the way. There's a better way. There's a better way. In 1 Timothy 6.10, Paul goes on to say, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. One of the most misquoted Bible verses in all of the planet, and I'm gonna teach on it over and over and over again. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Money is not evil. Does that say that? Does that say money's evil? It says the love of money. When we misplace what we love, when we misplace the relationship we have with money and put it above other relationships, like our relationship with God, the result is evilness. The result is destruction. He says, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. See, despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary, most people still believe that money brings happiness. I'm tricked into believing that money equals happiness. Totally. I brought my three and a half year old daughter to Claire's for the first time in her life yesterday. <laughs> that was happiness. Like for her, this was like the best day of her life. And yes, it was like sheer joy and we painted her fingernails and all the things. It wasn't the things though that brought happiness to my soul yesterday. It was seeing my little girl just be full of life and be completely herself and discover some of the interests that she has and that I got to come alongside in that. That's soul filling. So how, do, how can we keep away from the love of money? We can realize that one day it's all gonna be gone. We can be really content with what we currently have. Listen into this one. We can monitor what we are willing to do to get more money. Monitor what you're willing to do to get more money. And is that leading you towards more anxiety or more peace? Is that leading you closer to God or further away? You can love people and love God more than money. You can freely share what you have with others. See, because through God's lens, friends, money is a tool. Money is simply a tool. And it's a tool and a resource that can be used for followers of Christ that can help point other people towards God. Because the whole point of those of us who are followers of Jesus in our life is to live out our purpose so we can point more people to Jesus and point more people to hope and a hope that they can't find in anything else. 
But we got to be living it first. We got to be believing it first. And so what does it look like? My purpose is God's purposes. And from 1 Timothy, my purposes says more equals happiness. God's purposes says less is more. Meaning, do you need to have uh, five pair of those Nike shoes or just one? Do you need to have five of those really cute, like, Taylor Swift t-shirts or just one? Probably five if you're a Swifty. I get it. I get it. But less is more. My purposes says love money. Like, I love money. Money's the driver. Money's the purpose. God's purposes says love people. I love people. And so what I do with my money is about people. My purpose, let's read that list. It says materialism. Get for you, like get more for you and your purposes. Trust in money. More equals happiness. Love money. You know what the result of that is? Anxiety. Sounds like anxiety. God's purposes. Let's read that. Contentment. I'm good. I'm good with what I got. Get and earn more so that you can give. And you realize that giving is actually getting. And you give it all away. You're in a place where you're, you're leaning in to giving more than you're getting. God's purposes, you trust in God. Less is more, you love people. The result of that is peace in this very area. And so I want you to be thinking about for you today, where are you at in that spectrum? Are you closer to the my purposes? And just be honest about it, because that's where you're at today. And you can move along to the next one. God's purposes. Are you closer to God's purposes and you're like, yes, I feel good. I've been walking this path of, of peace in my finances and it's been really good and, and I can relate because I've made some changes. Way to go. Or maybe you're right in the middle. Where are you at in that? Because the question is, friends, is the purpose of money in your life for your purposes or God's purposes? I want you to wrestle with that a little bit. Peace with money, is it possible? Sure is. It sure is. So one of our core values at Prairie Heights is to give generously. And I love that we are a part of a church that um, leans into this. And what that means is I'm gonna teach regularly about money and finances and stewardship and how to trust God in this area. And um, it's very comfortable for me because it's been a journey for me. And I didn't just arrive all of a sudden, but I've also taken some steps to really trust God. And, and it's easy because it's biblical. So don't even look at me or my life. It's easy because it's what God wants for us. And so I'll talk about anything that God wants for us. And so we're going to talk about it regularly because we value that. Um, we value that as we grow to trust God in the area of money. And the reason I value that is because I want you to grow closer to Jesus. I want you to, to not let anything stand in the way of your intimacy with Jesus. Not money, not finances, not anything. And so we also, as we grow in our giving together, we can make a really great impact. And when we trust God with our finances, when we give generously, uh, we're able to meet the needs of others. And so I'm going to invite Alex, our director of weekend services, to come on up and 
And Alex, in his role as director of weekend services, he and I get to spend uh, a lot of time together as we map out different series. And so, yeah, you get to work with me a lot, don't you? Lucky me. Lucky you. <laughs> and uh, so what we do is we plan out our series months in advance. And we've got a whole team and a creative process that we go through. And so... Um, Alex and I and the team, we planned this two-week series called Peace. That's what I mean by series, like two-week series called Peace, and we're going to talk about money and finances. We planned this out like, what, six, eight months ago? Long time ago, yeah. Long yep. time ago. And what's so awesome is we always talk about how God shows up in the planning and how God leads us in the planning, and we don't always get to see that tangibly. Well, I'm telling you, friends, like this one it's like there's something that God is doing right now. It's an opportunity right in front of our face that we would be crazy to not uh, step into. And so, Alex, tell us about it. Yeah. One of the reasons that uh, we're always talking about and encouraging uh, all of us to get involved by serving and getting in a group and that sort of thing is so that we can learn each other's stories, that I can know your story, you can know mine. Uh, because without that, we don't have the opportunity, you don't see the opportunity uh, to meet each other's needs. And uh, we've got a guy named Asante. He serves on our camera team. He's usually on that camera over there. And um, his story is a lot different than my story. And I'd have never known that if he didn't get involved and bring me in, into his life and share his story. And his story, it's full of war, tragedy, refugee camps, and eventually a move over to the United States. Him and his wife, Claudia, uh, a couple of weeks ago, they packed up their kids and they went to go visit their family in Africa that they hadn't seen uh, in a few years. And we got this message from Asante uh, just a little, a uh, few days ago. It says, when we left Fargo, we packed 10 bags full of clothes and a few first aid supplies to donate. Outside of our families, there are so many orphans and people in need. Claudia and I are thinking on how to start helping some of the kids that lost their parents in war. It's a big decision, but uh, we feel the little that we can provide can mean a lot for them. In all this, we need your prayers. And we just thought that uh, as a church, we needed to step in and, uh, and help Asante and his family. So we saw the opportunity. Yeah. So Alex and I and Heather were in a meeting, and it had been about, I don't know, 24 hours or so since we started receiving text messages from Asante and sharing about what was happening on the ground where he's at um, back home and how he's helping and his family's already helping, but how we could. And so we kind of looked at each other and we said, how much do you think we should give? And uh, the three of us within seconds, is, this is so God, uh, within seconds, we just kind of all said out loud the exact same number. <laughs> not making it up. We all said the exact same number, and we said, let's go ahead and give this. And so just a couple days ago, we were able to securely give a specific amount directly to Asante uh, through Prairie Heights and through the generosity of our church. And that got, yeah, that was given directly to him. And it's so cool how uh, Asante's taking that and running with it, not just financially, um, because before he even received these finances, talk about what messages we started to receive. Yeah, I mean, we just started, we started hearing about, um, you know, he wanted to bring the, the message of Prairie Heights along with him. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
so many more steps than we ever thought he was going to take it. He kind of came up with this idea, Prairie Heights Action in Africa. And they made t-shirts and signs, and they were going to be carrying the name and the vision of our church along with them uh, when they were giving and meeting the needs in their community. And so all he, all he asked of us before he left was, can you just mow my lawn? And he had this whole thing in his mind that he was going to be making a difference in people's lives. And so because of your generosity, again, instantly we were able to know that we could step in uh, and, and support that cause too. And so uh, it's really fun to come along, alongside Asante, for sure. Yes. And um, I love and I can't wait to see. You know, we're going to follow up and we're going to let you know uh, what those funds were able to do. And also just um, the fact that for Asante, like... We are family, and he's family. He's family to me, he's family to us, and that's what church family is, is when we are sent across our community locally, we're sent to make a difference. We're sent to do something that helps other people know the hope of Jesus. When our church family is sent across the world, we're sent to make a difference. And so I know that there are many of you today that you do live in a place where there is a little more peace in your finances. You've made a plan and you set aside giving and, and when things come along that really tug at your heart that you wanna give to, you've already pre-planned what that is. And I wanna encourage you, if that's you today and this story tugs at your heart, we wanna encourage you, you can give by cash or check today. Uh, Alex is gonna be in the lobby with just a black box and that is the best way for us to uh, coordinate our efforts in terms of giving cash and check directly. All of that money will go directly to Asante. He will be in Africa for the next two weeks, and so we will uh, hit the impact heavy while he's there in person. That doesn't mean that's the only thing we can do. We will stay in contact, but for sure we'll do it while he's there. And then, um, yeah, so you can find Alex in the lobby for that. Does that sound good? Thanks. Okay, thank you, Alex. Yes, (laughs) so good. And for some of you, you might be wondering, like, it's 2023 and I'd like to give online. (laughs) Uh, I want to honor that and I want to also be very clear and direct. Great opportunity for me to celebrate our team. Uh, At Prairie Heights, our philosophy is a one fund. And so when you give to Prairie Heights, anytime you give, um, by any mode that you give to, And specifically, when you give online, you're giving to one fund, which means it comes into our general fund, and our staff is then uh, given autonomy to then decide and direct those dollars to go towards our mission to connect those apart from God with Christ and a church family. And our team is great stewards. Um, We have a fantastic process for budgeting that is very clear and very wise, and everyone goes through a budgeting process for all the dollars that we spend and so and that we invest. So if you want to give online, you certainly can. And I want you to know that when you do, when you do, um, it goes into our one fund. And then we're able to direct those dollars to complete and fulfill our mission as a church. And the reason it was so easy for the three of us to easily say we can give to that is because part of our budget line item is giving to others. We have an ongoing budget line item, it's called giving to others, and we have allocated dollars every year that's there to meet needs right in the moment. And so thank you for your generosity. 
without your generosity, we cannot freely give when opportunities like this arise. When it's like right now, we're gonna step into that and we're gonna meet that need. And so because of your generosity, we are able to do that. And I wanna encourage you. Um, so that's on a church family level. Like let's keep being this kind of church, right? Who trusts God and allows and knows that money is his and allows money to actually be a tool to help other people find hope in Jesus. And then on an individual level, I know that this, is, this can be hard. This can be hard. And so I want to encourage you that if you're struggling, it's okay. And I want to encourage you by saying it's better to talk about it than to sit in denial. It's better to talk about it and ask God for help and for us to help each other. So let me say a prayer for us and then we're gonna sing a song. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the ways that you are moving. Thank you, God, for your um, clear, clear, clear leading in our lives. Thank you, God, for a picture of what church family looks like. Thank you, God, that you give us um, opportunity to see you and to, and to experience hope. God, I pray for each and every individual. Would you, God, meet them exactly where they're at? Would you give them grace? Would you give them your truth? Would you help them to take a step forward in finding peace in this area? And we're gonna trust you with all of that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.